This is Boat Crew RPG with Fruit of the Withered Vines. So step one, you choose your concept. I think both of you have amazing concepts just in the just in the names I can see on the screen right now. Um, the Hunter and Ego. Um, I think that there's like so much strength and so much uh, things to explore. There's so many stories in those concepts that I feel like those words alone are like sufficient to, uh, to do that. Um, and then it's just kind of your nature and demeanor and you pick your Fey origin and your Fey court. Um, so nature and demeanor, uh, you can find those in the basic rules for uh, Dark Ages, or if you have Vampire Dark Ages, they're in there, uh, or Dark Ages Vampire, I'm sorry. There is two versions of uh, the Dark Ages line, and this is the Dark Ages splat line. Uh, but anyways, next, uh, we'll be prioritizing our attribute categories. Um, so you'll assign points, uh, seven dots in your primary category, five in your secondary category, and three in your tertiary category. And then, um, yeah, after we do that part, let's let's say what we got, and then we'll move on to the next. Personally, I was trying to work the numbers a little bit while Craig was describing ego just to help us keep at a good pace, if you like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Physically, I put one dot in strength, dexterity, seven each. He's at two each. He's honestly very physically weak compared to where he remembers himself as being after so long trapped. But his mind and other skills stayed sharp. I went with primary actually being social. Three in charisma, total four in manipulation, three in appearance. Still a powerful figure who knows how to work with those around him. He still remembers what it was like to truly rule an area, <clears throat> to be venerated. And three in perception, two intelligence, three in wits. He's been working his best to adapt. He still has a lot of those hunting instincts. And I don't know whether or not he thinks he was smarter at one point or another, or he simply is, you know, having those kind of firstborn memories and pride there. Excellent. I love it. You have like a very similar um, array to the sample character I made to try to kind of understand the system a little bit. All right. Shall I go through the abilities then? I got that far in as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, let me know your abilities and then we'll we'll uh, hear from Craig after that. All right. Yeah, I haven't touched freebies at all yet. Some hard choices to make. I went with talents as a primary. Two in alertness, one in athletics and brawl and kenning each, three in intimidation and leadership both, and two in subterfuge. Again, he spent so long cramped up that any of those skills that really depended on a lot of physical things, he couldn't practice them for who knows how long. The time doesn't make sense to him. For skills, I went with one in animal ken, two in archery. One in etiquette and melee, two in stealth and two in survival. He still has a lot of his old hunting skills. And for knowledges, I took two in Grenai, two in law, because he's been studying a lot on how things have changed and law 
is always the basis of society. It's the basis of oaths, you know. And then the last one is actually one in linguistics because his second language is the modern-ish form of French spoken there now. His first tongue actually is probably a mostly dead ancient Gallic language. And I figured I just have to do it, even if it's spending the silly point on something that might not come up. Uh, also, keep in mind, I didn't mention this, but I'm giving you guys more freebies than the book suggests because this is just a short, short arc. That's fine. Well, I mean, freebies after this is the starting stuff. Yeah. And uh, I have a time where I was able to figure out because of what was already initially there for the firstborn. Firstborn start off with foreign mists to weaving everyone starts off with foreign willpower before any previews or anything like that i think that his backgrounds that tie into everything are also going to be really important so i spread them actually out pretty well one each in holding retinue sprites contacts and influence so he's already trying to do a little bit to reestablish a bit of his old ancient forgotten cult and mystery religion He's got a little bit of human following, a little bit of sprite following. He knows some people here and there, and he's found something that reminds him of his old blade. Interesting. Um, so one thing uh, I should mention to you, the holding uh, background, that is something that can be like pulled. Um, not that like, not um, that I'm trying to like push you guys into having like a shared holding or something. Having one dot and holding um, is enough to just like put that into the size part of holding. And it's like, it's enough to give you a place to kind of like lay your head. And it's like, there's, so there's different categories. You can put dots into size, security, all that different kinds of stuff. I feel like there's similar systems in base building type things for like vampire, hunter, um, et cetera. Uh, But this kind of follows like a similar pattern where you can spend dots to kind of like make it better. Um, but the baseline holding is very much just kind of like a, a little spot you've carved out for your own. And um, that's a very cool background to take. Sprites as well. That's another very cool background to take. Um, the book will give you like examples of like what first dot sprites are. But I know that you're very familiar with like some of the other games, like like Mage and Werewolf and stuff. So if you want to give them the charms you find in other books, um, get crazy with it. I fully encourage you to make them yours. They can be truly anything. And that's one of the cool things about this game is it's very freeform, um, like compared to Changeling the Dreaming, where there's very kind of like defined kits. This is something where you truly get to like build your shit from the ground up. So yeah, um, very cool. Very cool. I really like the things you've chosen. Yeah, I haven't gotten the sprites nailed down in big detail or something. But I'm thinking something wolf-like or small or pack predator-like. Oh, that's and, amazing. And as for the shared holding, yes, I think that is a perfectly good idea, especially considering that Ego and the Hunter presumably will have to work together. Otherwise, we forget a few core conceits of being able to make things function. <laughs> uh, here's an idea. Not saying it's a, just something I'm spitballing here. So Ego resides in some sort of deep, dark forest, I'm presuming. 
Um, Probably. Maybe maybe your holdings overlap somehow, and uh, that's that's your connection together is like connection of territory, um, connection of you know two phase in the same place. And it's um, I don't want to paint this game as like every every court is like extremely brutal to the other courts, and it's like it's time for war now. So like if I see you out there, like I'm gonna get you. That's not it. Um, the War of Seasons is something that the Fae have always known was going to come. But it's like they're still trying to figure it out. Um, they're not just like immediately killing each other on sight. It's kind of just a thing that hangs over their head right now. Um, so it's fine for uh, people in different courts to be friends, people in different courts to work together for variety of common goals, to have oaths with each other, to have holdings with each other. Um, I, yeah, I just wanted to lay that out before, uh, I kind of like paint this as a thing where it's very, every court for themselves. I am perfectly happy with that. I honestly think that Keith that isn't overly attached to conflict between the courts. He has joined a court because courts happen now. He has not joined a court because he feels the overwhelming urge to polarize himself. In that sense, he very much still understands the winter aspect as well as the fall aspect, like we've been talking about in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's very good. Very strong. Um, Craig, how are you doing with your, uh, with your, your uh, allotment here? So I think I got the easy parts done. Um, well, actually, the, the hard parts done. So got a name, uh, Ego. So, Demeanor, he's obviously a barbarian, but from the outside, but I thought it'd be interesting that on the inside, he's a judge. Like, he's he's not going to, well, he will eat you, but, um, like, I, it's, it's sort of like a shift from the initial, like, I'll eat whatever to, depending on what I'm eating, he might feel differently one way or about it. You I kind of love that. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I actually went with demeanor for judge, so mm-hmm. we can see how they can get along without even having intentionally done that. And nature was survivor. Yeah, so Sorry, like, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, that's good because like you're, if you put it out there and like, oh, this guy actually gets me, so maybe I would act less barbarian around you than like m- most other people. So, um, court winter. Origin, I think you said changeling fit it the best. Um, and agenda, I just put con- consumption. So um, one thing to keep in mind, if you, uh, changeling does fit, um, they, all these ideas can fit. Um, changeling implies either, though, that you were taken as a baby and brought to mm. the fae realm, or you were a fae brought to the human realm. Um, so that's a, I mean, that's a, a thing is uh, changelings have considerably more mortal ties than mm. either yeah, of that, the other origins. I'm so not you sure might, what the other two mean. So firstborn, um, they are like the ones that they're the, the firstborn fae and they're the ones that formed themselves out of the mists. They were these sprites that just were filled with so much potential. They just couldn't help but exist. And um so, I mean, these can be anything from like, 
like fairy lords, like like she and um, you know the kind of like elven nobles, or it can be anything from. It, it basically means anything that's not a changeling and anything that's not a, a nature incarnated, um, you know, nature phenomenon incarnate. So I like okay. So this picture that you really enjoy from the book. When I look at this picture, I see that as either a firstborn marrying a firstborn or a changeling marrying a firstborn. I definitely, when I, when I look at it and I picture it, the fact that there's so many monstrous features and such a profound fairy mien, I think that firstborn might fit your idea more. Yeah. And that's kind of going to be the more alien from humanity um they're, they're going to start with more mists uh first of all they're going to start with uh you know less weaving because they're kind of like less tied into humanity uh, but that might that might fit your your vibe more um both of you guys being being yeah, firstborn I, I think you're right because like if he's like the embodiment of like ego hung and hunger with the social constructs of a toddler i think that fits better so now that we got that changed i'm gonna stick with my agenda being consumption um i obviously want physical as my primary attribute i did uh four three three strength dex stamina Uh, my secondary is mental um so i want four two two perception intelligence wits and tertiary, I went social. Um, manipulation, three. Um, I didn't put anything in charisma because I'm a pig man. And appearance, I put two just because I, I don't see it as like, oh, not always like uh, like good looks. But like, hey, if, if that second dot means I get more hair and more tusks, I, I feel like that that's the edge. Um, for my abilities, I went primary with talents. I went alertness to athletics to brawl of four because I'm feeling like my face is more brawl than uh, melee. Uh, dodge one, intimidation two, kenning. What is that in this game? So Kenning, I think, if I if I know correctly, Kenning is kind of like your you would use Kenning to try to discern something magical. Um if you if you like saw something weird happening, you could use Kenning to figure out like what it was. And like maybe if you have high enough Kenning or you get enough successes, I can tell you that like like you know that's like a vampire or something. I, I that's a very random example, but I think Kenning is like your overall supernatural bill can probably answer this way better than me i mean well i remember a lot of things involving like sensing the supernatural as well so it's like your sixth sense your i can smell that magic was done here kind of thing yeah i can taste the iron in the blood of that weaver because they are a weaver and i can feel the threads that have been pulled on the tapestry of the world by them in their passage I can hear the silver echoes in the werewolf's stare, even though they're 
not doing much to call attention to themselves. They called on the moon and I can tell, you know, that kind of thing. It doesn't uh, provide yeah. knowledge about what happened, but it lets you be able to detect it and discern it and omens and things like that. I feel like I could justify one dot in there for just having a really good nose for magic. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then one dot in subterfuge just because. Um, secondary, I did skills. I put two in the animal kin, just, you know, enough to make horses not jump at me and, like, could stop a dog from barking if I needed to. I put one in commerce because I think, it, like, my mask is going to definitely be a um, merchant of some sort. And, you know, you got to fake it a little bit. I put one dot in melee because, well, the face is the best weapon, but, you know, every once in a while you need to, you know, club someone. Uh, ride. Uh, I don't like to do it, but I can do it. And then I put survival at four. I didn't put anything into stealth because I don't think I'm very subtle. I like, you know, I'm coming at you. Uh, for, for knowledge is I put that as tertiary. Um, I'm thinking enigmas kind of means like puzzles and riddles and stuff. I put a dot in that because it just sounded cool. Like you mentioned something about like some sort of um, like children's rhyme or something, keeping like being a bane of existence. I just think that's kind of a cool concept. So having a little bit of knowledge about that might be cool. Um, I put two in hearth wisdom. I think that is just like, you know, knowledge about society and like, I always had trouble be, um, like between the difference between that and like ledger domain, but I think hearth wisdom is more of like sort of like a folklore sort of thing, or am I far off? That sounds right to me. I'm just looking it up in the book just to just to be sure. But that I mean that kind of goes with my understanding of it too. Yeah, and to top it off, I put a dot in investigation because. You always need to be able to find clues and a dot in medicine because you know I know I know the part of the stomach to bore into. Um from there I haven't really gotten into like the rest of the things. I know I start off with some willpower, but other than that, I need to spend yeah. some dots. So um yeah, so you'll start with four willpower. Um it took me forever to find I don't even know if I did find that in the book. Um I had to look online for that. It's very that was something that like was very confusing to me. Just like, where does it say? But yeah, okay. So record your base for willpower. Um, everybody's going to start off with different mists, weaving, and dominions um, determined by what origin you chose. So both of you being firstborn, you're going to start with four weaving. I'm sorry. You're going to start with four mists, two weaving, and three dots of dominion. Of dominions. Um, and you can assign those dots into any of the four dominions. You don't need to pick the one that's most aligned with your court. You don't have to pick your court's favorite dominions, favorite dominion to sink all the dots into. Um, basically, your court will have a favored dominion, and those cantrips will be easier for you to cast because that's your favorite. So that's it's going to decrease the difficulty of things that you're casting in that dominion. Um, so that's just a thing to consider. Like if you are winter, I believe their preferred one is called night. 
I think their preferred dominion is night. So like when you were doing night cantrips, uh, you would have like a decreased difficulty. Um, and every point of weaving that you have supplies one cantrip in each dominion. So like, let's say you have one dot in weaving, right? You get to pick a cantrip for each dominion. Now you can only cast the dominions that you have a dot in, but you still like are able to pick them. Once you have a dot in a dominion and you, you can unleash from that dominion any cantrip of your choosing, but you can't unleash dominions that you don't have a single dot in. If you are a fae who doesn't put a single dot into the dusk dominion, I'm sorry, but there's no cantrips uh, you can cast in the dusk dominion, even if you unleash, um, even if you have like a cranked up weaving and you should have like 10 cantrips in it. Um, you need at least a dot to be able to work that dominion at all. Um, so that's a, that's a thing. Each of the dominions have different focuses, like, but um, I posted this chart into our group chat and it kind of shows that like a lot of the dominions can be used to like, you can get the same effects from different dominions sometimes, right? So like, let's say there's like a cool night thing. Maybe that's not the only way to do it. Uh, maybe there's like something in summer that is kind of a similar effect and you could just like unleash summer and, and do the same type of thing. So yeah, sorry if that's really confusing. It's very hard for me to wrap my, my head around. Um, but you can just kind of think of dominions as like the schools of fairy magic and like each one is attributed to a certain court. Uh, each one is like a certain court's purview, but most fey kind of wheel and deal in multiple dominions. And some of them probably only do their court's dominion or something out of some sense of whatever, but uh, most of them are multifaceted enough that like maybe they know a few tricks in somebody else's dominion. So really just like think about um, what you think is cool um, and you don't have to decide all your cantrips right now either. Um, it's kind of a big chunk of the book if you want to look at them, but maybe just kind of like pick which dots you want to put into your dominions. And I don't know, um, if you want to pick cantrips, you can, but also I'm definitely fine with us leaving that blank until it comes up. And then you saying, um, well, one of the cantrips I have in dusk will allow me to do that and then choosing it then because you know that you have three dusk cantrips because of your weaving level or whatever. I'll post a little guide to it to make it easier, but you can know that starting as a firstborn, you have three initial points to distribute amongst the dominions and uh, being winter court, um, night would be your preferred dominion. Uh, being a Autumn Court, that one's called, um, I think that one's called Dusk, yeah. Yeah, I actually was thinking of going two into Dusk and one into Night, since they definitely fit the themes appropriately. Yeah, that's amazing. And I really like the idea that um, if you have like a, a little, maybe there's like a part of you that embodies like sneaky traits or like certain traits, like you can take a point in in night 
And like you actually will have access to that full array of, of cantrips, albeit at a more risky cost to do them. But I think it just kind of plays into the idea that like as Faye, you have a lot of tricks up your sleeve. A lot of them can put you at risk. A lot of them can make you stuck, get you locked. But like, um, hey, it's there. Another thing this game mentions a lot uh, is imbalance. Like if your mists and your weaving get too imbalanced, you can run into problems. I don't know if I'm just interpreting it wrong, but it seems very easy to avoid this happening. Uh, so I'm just not going to really think about it too much. But uh, you have to deliberately get one score a lot above the other. Yeah, it like seems like if, if I you... bought one more point in mists without buying any more weaving first, then I could be in trouble. But if I just say, well, I'm going to get one more in weaving because there's certain elements of that that make sense to me, and then later get had gotten another point in mists, it would have been fine. Yeah, like that's how I interpreted it. That's how I interpreted it too. So let's just not even really worry about that. Um, Craig, you have a few points as well that you can spend on um, backgrounds. And let me just kind of like tell you a little bit about the backgrounds in this game. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of looking at them right now. And the oaths sound pretty neat, but I'm not exactly sure how they work yeah okay let me explain that one really quick it's a very cool one so if you take a dot in oaths basically you would construct an oath that you have with uh humanity so like let me give you an example of a two dot oath that i made for my sample character and this will kind of give you an idea of what they look like um but generally what they do when your character is in a situation where they are faced with disbelief, where they come up against echoes of theirs, um, which are the things that, you know, it's their little bands, their little banes, um, the church bells, the nursery rhymes, the stuff like that, that, that is their specific weakness. When they come up against that, the oaths that they have um, make that less difficult to overcome. So when you're rolling to see if you're facing these echoes, if you're maybe getting new like bands and veins and stuff, uh, which, yeah, we'll just call them echoes from here on out. But that's that's what they are, is like your fairy's specific weakness. Um, whenever you're in a situation where you're either falling to that weakness or you're maybe about to develop a new one, you kind of call upon these echoes to lower the difficulty and to you know, kind of ease your way to break out of that. So here's an example of one. My spring court in anime, he is a, uh, he's a, an ocean spirit, uh, ocean in anime. Um, his deal with a human artist is to bring them inspiration and beauty to inspire their works. Um, that's the phase duty. Um, the human's duty is to leave stone cairns near the water every week. The fae fails their duty if they fail to inspire the human. The human fails their duty if they forget to honor the water. The punishment for the fae, if the oath is broken, is that they can never be beautiful to humans again. The human's punishment, if they break this oath, is that they can never experience beauty again. So um, this is like kind of a more extreme one. It's two dots. This can kind of get me out of a jam if I uh, am about to face some serious disbelief, because this is one that 
I kind of have a lot of stake in. Um, so when you're making an oath, you just kind of think about that. If it's a one dot oath, don't do something that's going to really fuck you over. Um, it's not that serious. Um, but you basically do just have to write out the agreements, the phase duty, the human's duty, what uh, what would happen if the fae fail or, you know, what causes the fae to fail, what causes the human to fail and what the punishment punishments are for both. Um, so long story short, oaths as a background reduces the effects of echoes. Um, it also comes with like a little system where you do have to write up the oath. And um, it's basically a thing that goes on off screen unless the storyteller wants to come up with some reasons why that oath would be broken or called into question or something like that. But it's just kind of a thing you have that solidifies your standing in this world because people believe in you. So like if there's, I don't know, like a, a local village or something or a, ham, a string of hamlets near Bordeaux outside my forest, maybe there's some sort of agreement I have with the humans maybe they don't even know consciously that they're doing it um, for me, or maybe it's just like a superstition to them, but maybe if they like, uh, I don't know, like bring me like uh, the, uh, the first of their harvest and the last of their slaughter, maybe I don't eat their children or I don't know. <laughs> something like that. I okay. was imagining that any oath I had, design would certainly be around the hunts where in return for certain gifts i would definitely i would aid their hunt and of course if those gifts and tithes weren't continued their hunts would all fail okay um i want to put one thing out there i love both of these ideas are amazing the only downside with this is kind of the way that the oath system works like one to two dots in oaths is like the equivalent of an oath with like a family. Um, the oaths with like uh, with a town, that's going to be like a like at least a three dot oath where it's like the Done. people of this town have been doing this thing. Um, but like you can take one dot, a one dot oath, and that's a family who is like honoring this. And maybe they're just like some weirdo pagans who like who are so scared that they do this thing. Um, but it kind of also speaks to like the, the lapsing power that the Fae are, are holding with these oaths. Like they used to control these giant oaths with like over full hamlets. And now it's kind of gotten to the point where it's like, they're kind of struggling to keep up these like oaths with a family or two. Um, and these families are just worried about being burned alive uh, by the Inquisition coming to town and stuff like that. I, I definitely want the Inquisition to fuck with my oaths. And I am going to put mine to an Iron O3, I guess it's called. So like just this whole village or whatever just does this thing because they always done it. And they're afraid if they stop doing it, maybe I'll eat their children. But if they don't stop doing it, maybe they'll get tortured to death by the Inquisition. That's that's a good story driver. I just love it. I think that's an amazing hook. Yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, I was considering putting more points into oaths and is good for me. Because it's an ancient oath that still it turned out there were some descendants of the ones from before who held true to it. And like, um, so yeah, like it can be a really old oath that like 
you know, even if it's like a, it, it could be like a really old oath, but maybe there's not a lot of people doing it. And that's what would reflect it being like a, so the oaths come in a few different categories. There's an iron oath. That's an oath that a fae makes with a human or a family. You leave a bowl of cream out for me. You leave a horseshoe on your door. Um, I will do this. You will do that. There's the stone oaths, which are more like what Craig was describing, like a village tradition where like the people do this because they, you know, this is like what they've done. And like, this is like what they have to do to ensure that it's going to stay this way. And then there's the gold oaths, which are like the things that the world was kind of like created on. These are like the things that humans probably describe as like the Bible, um, like biblical events and stuff like that. Um, Gold oaths are not really like a thing um, that happens on on player scale, really. Um, Stone oaths are like a rare thing to happen on player scale, but they're definitely possible and can, can be very amazing um, story hooks, I think. Um, but like iron oaths can be very important to the, to the Fae and to the, the family or individual that um, is part of them. So I don't want to discourage you guys from, from thinking like a one dot oath is like, I don't want you to think one dot oath is something to like, you know, shake a finger at because it's still pretty significant. So other backgrounds, Craig, there are, Things like holdings, which are kind of like uh, spaces in the fairy realm. Uh, there's library, which is like if you had a background, if you had like a you know a bunch of fey, fey grimoires and texts, you can have a retinue, um, which would be like it would be like humans. It wouldn't be sprites. It would be like uh, humans that uh, kind of like. They don't necessarily have to be enchanted humans. They can be other stuff, uh, but it would just be like humans that somehow are able to <laughs> to do services for you. Um, sprites, which is like the spirits background. Um, you know, they work very similar to spirits do in World of Darkness. They get a rage and a gnosis score, and they get a few different charms depending on how many dots you put into it and. They are also very cool because they also um, lessen the effect of your echoes. So like when you are facing this disbelief, um, your sprite can kind of like share that burden a little bit, um, which is cool. There's treasures. Those are just like weird fairy items. They can be anything from like uh, fairy dust to magic potions. Um, There's a lot of... uh, of stuff that that can be. Um, I'd have to look further in the book to see the specifics of that, but I know that there's a whole system of fairy making fairy dust and the effects that it can have and what you do to make it. So if that sounds interesting to you, that's a thing. Merits and flaws, probably one of my least favorite things in World of Darkness. I don't really enjoy them, but if you want to uh, take any, um, by, by all means, feel free. I will probably forget about them, uh, but you are more than more than welcome if you want to. Okay, I'll give you guys a second. Um, I'll say, well, let's let's select our cantrips at the end if we have time, and if not, we can do that off screen, and it's not really a big deal. 
Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.